to all the listeners and I welcome you all to the next episode of Entrevine and I'm your host PJ. Before jumping into the story of today, I thank everyone who has listened to my podcast so far and has given me the feedback. Thanks to my friend, a special thanks to my dad who listens to each and every, you know, episodes of my podcast and gives me a very good feedback. So everyone, thank you for supporting me and I want you to support more. Most of the people out in the world are fit conscious. One, they're allergic to some sort of foods or, you know, ingredients that are present over in it. And the other kind of people are, you know, diet conscious. The other kind of people loves eating in a good healthy diet, but never know what to cook, what to eat for a breakfast or for lunch or for dinner. What if there exists a solution to all these problems together? Based on our own personal needs, what if there exists an app or a website that helps you customize your food habits every single day and you don't have to think for what to cook for your dinner or for your breakfast or for your lunch? Seven Dishes is an AI-powered food assistant and a meal planning solution for busy families that understand, you know, you help and you save time and money while, you know, you're feeding a delicious food to your family as well. So let's welcome the CEO of Seven Dishes, Vincent Chapanier, to share his whole 16 plus years of entrepreneurship journey with us. With that said, Vincent graduated from McGill University in computer science. He then worked at Accenture and CGI. For 14 years, he was the co-founder and the vice president of Orchestra Technologies. Orchestra Technologies is a media grip product, which is nothing but a new generation of omni-channel commerce. For one year, he was a vice president of strategy and alliance for the e-commerce of MDF Commerce. So he is currently an advisor of the startup Eva and Leave. Eva is a ride-sharing and a last-mile delivery startup. And Leave is a mobile self-checkout platform designed for mid-market and enterprise retailers. And then he is the founder and the CEO of Seven Dishes, which he has founded a year ago on October 2021. So let's get through his entrepreneurial journey together. Hi, Vincent. Welcome to the show. I'm truly pleased to have you here today. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Pleasure to be here as well. Thank you. Thank you for, first of all, accepting, you know, my request that I put forward. That's so great of you. Thank you so much for that. You know, you are a person whom I can truly say into entrepreneurship as you have an exceptional profile. Seven Dishes, it's like the most innovative tech idea into food industry. So rather than me talking about Seven Dishes, could you give us a very, you know, brief intro about what exactly Seven Dish does? Sure. Well, I mean, at, at the core, there's, <clears throat> there's a big question that everybody asks themselves every day and it's what's for dinner. And we're really trying to address that question um, for families that, you know, lack time, that struggle to offer a consistent, consistently a varied and healthy diet to their families. Uh, and frankly, with rising cost of inflation, they're looking, they're looking to save some dollars as well. So we're really helping them to streamline that process, save, save some, some time and, and offer really a curated variety of recipes and a smart planning and shopping experience so that they can really get time savings, eat healthy and with a very, very nutrition that is going to be good for them and their families and ultimately uh, save, save some well-earned dollars. So we're, we're essentially building a, 
an application for customers to use pretty simply and to be able to uh, get that done under five minutes a week. Oh, so it's, is it going to be like a shopping cart, like where you add foods into it, or it's going to be like you're going to partner with some other, you know, foods like good foods or something, and then, you know, get their stuff to the consumers? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. So essentially, uh, the service uh, will will get to know you a bit. So with a few questions, and then you'll be able to get recommendations of meals or meal plans for the week. Um, and then from there, you can, within a single click, you can generate your full grocery list and then decide where you want to shop, uh, whether online or in store at your favorite grocer. And the goal is to create shopping carts that are optimized to uh, your preferences, quantities that you need for the week and, and price. So how long have you been into entrepreneurship? Probably my whole life uh, to some extent. So uh, it's something that uh, you, you, you have sometimes naturally and uh, mm -hmm. always was attracted with, uh, uh, you know, building, building things, yeah. building teams, uh, creating, creating something of value for, mm -hmm. for, for customers. So uh, that's something that I've always done. And uh, my first uh, real experience or large experience was uh, with a company called Orchestra that I co-founded in 2006. And um, we're initially a professional services company focused on um, servicing retailers and distributors uh, to help them with uh, various various uh, projects around e-commerce, digital transformation. And we, uh, we pivoted um, about halfway in, uh, in, in 2012 to build an omnichannel commerce platform. So a new generation of platform that embraced you know, cloud, mobility, social, and uh, be able to have flexibility versus the, the monolith players that were there in the market at the time. So, uh, so that was that was my my first uh, first uh, venue into uh, entrepreneurship, and mm -hmm. uh, and I left that company about a year ago and started a new new company uh, last year uh, called uh, Seven Dish. So, where did this business idea come from? What inspired you to get into Seven Dishes all of a sudden? Yeah, well, I I I think I can say that I'm I'm a foodie at, at heart for to start with. So I'm passionate about about food and 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 just agriculture and nutrition as a whole. And uh, you know, having worked with large grocery chains as part of my previous company, um, I realized that there was a there was a gap between what customers were expecting and what uh, grocery chains or 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 the shopping experience was. Mm -hmm. So um, typically, people are looking for meal ideas or recipes to cook or or, or an insight versus looking to shop for 50 different ingredients during the week. So, so the goal was to find a different way as a service for consumers that is really personalized to every family and their needs and to be able to uh, tackle this uh, seamlessly all the way down to, to the online or in-store order. And there's a lot of different families uh, profiled. Like I have two young girls and I get that what's for dinner question every single day. So I, I can definitely relate with a lot of families and I'm fortunate to not have too many allergies or restrictions. We have a gluten intolerance in the family, but um, you know, having talked to a lot of other families, they have a lot more severe conditions, uh, whether it's medical or or, or due to allergies or, or specific diets, and and they just struggle to go through that that weekly routine every week, pleasing the kids, filtering for allergies and etc. So if we can help a lot of families uh, improve their quality of life at home, and you know, make make healthy living just easy and sustainable, then that's what we're really striving for. 
Got it. So as you said, like women do struggle a lot thinking about what to cook for dinner, what to cook for breakfast. Having a curated meal plan actually helps them to understand what exactly is healthy for the family, not just ordering something on Uber Eats and, you know, have, you know, thinking about whether it's going to be, you know, allergic or not and all these things into mind. A curated meal plan is really, really a good idea. But did you ever doubt, like, is this a better way, you know, to create this? Are people going to accept it? Did you ever had doubts in your plans when you begin? Well, I mean, as any any business idea, um, it's all based on assumptions, right? So so the, the best way to be able to go through uh, that process of idea, ideation, and then uh, building your business is to go through some type of a validation phase. Right. So you have some assumptions. You, you, you believe that the best customers to address are look like this. Right. So it's a family profile and they have a certain revenue level. They, they they're both working. They're busy. They've got young kids. So so you kind of establish, OK, well, this is this. This is the segment that I think I want to go after. And and then you you try to tie in what's the value proposition for them. And, and the, the purpose of validation is really to talk to those customers. So what we typically do is go and have interviews with them. So we'll spend anywhere between 15 minutes and up to an hour, depending on who's passionate about the topic or not. And, and then you, you, you get them to talk up from experience and from their issues that they're experimenting versus trying to sell them your, your, your product, right? And, and by doing this, you're going to be able to see how, how big is the problem are they trying to solve it? What's not ideal about current solutions? And then try to identify, all right, based on this, is my solution or the value proposition that I want to bring into market corresponding to the problems of that segment? And, and that way, um, the doubts that you have or the assumptions that you have, you kind of go through that experimental methodology where you're, you're trying to validate or invalidate that assumption. So um, that's one of the really important things to do to address some of the doubts. Now, obviously, it doesn't address 100% of them because until you're launched, you, you won't know for sure. But it, it helps to guide you towards an idea that fits within a business model, right? So, so by, by working on a business model, which, you know, uh, there's, there's a good business model canvas as a template that, that any, any business can use by trying to state the assumptions in every portion of the model and by going through interviews and other types of research to validate or invalidate um, if your model sticks together, it just increases your chances of success in the end. Got it. So within this particular time, you told about market research, you know, unique value proposition and then target customers and so on. These are the very fundamental things when you start a startup. Without these base, it's impossible to build anything. So let's start with a market research. How important or how much effort you have to put into your market understanding, you know, and then figure it, figure out who exactly your target customer is. Like, what are the different types of market research that you have put through? Can you tell us about it? Yeah. So, so there's, there's a uh, publicly available research, which is the, the, depending on your, your, your target idea or the target segment, some would be more readily available, some less, but everything that's kind of B2C or marketplace related, there's a tons of data around the industry, around the types of customers. So you can start there and that, that helps you first assess what's the size of that market. 
and what's the portion of that market that you can go after. Um, and then within each market, going after the segments, then there's there's a lots of statistics that you can get from you know all of the census bureaus in, in every country. Um, if you take Canada and the US, it's very, very readily available. So you can start to carve out what your market segments look like that could potentially be interested in your solution. And so, so it's very important for to do that exercise for, for multiple reasons. Um, the first one is if your market isn't big enough, then the idea might not be worth pursuing. Or if you're looking to, to go after some investment or, or VC money at some point, um, it needs to be at least a certain size, right? It needs to be in the billion or, or multiple billions of dollars in order to justify an investment to get to a certain size. So. So assessing what, what's your goal as an entrepreneur or, or, or building a business. And then if you're to spend anywhere between five and 10 years within the same business and the same idea, might as well be somewhere where there's room to grow and room to build. So, so it's, it's really important. And the other thing around research that's important is uh, timing. So uh, a lot of companies that succeeded and a lot of companies that failed, one of the primary reasons was timing or lack of timing or the right timing, right? So, so understanding not only the size of the market, but the market dynamics. Uh, if you look at the pandemic, for instance, it's a great example of shifting market dynamics um, that were for some ideas temporary and for some ideas, it just it, it triggered a change in the market. So if you take for instance, um, rapid 15-minute online food delivery uh, for groceries, that market went up and then it crashed as well uh, in, in that pandemic. But if you look at remote work, it's a trend in the market that is still very present today. So a lot of the you know Zoom technology or Teams or, or, or Google Meets got a lot of traction during that time. So understanding the timing uh, are you too early? Are you too late? Is there already a lot of competition? Um, or is the timing just right? Uh, are, are things that you need to to consider as well in your research? So for your company, do you think you what's your market thing? Is it like, do you have more number of, uh, you know, competitors? Or you're just new to the industry? Or what sort of market analysis you made for your company? Yeah, so well, we looked we looked at the competitive landscape. There's there's a lot of options right in the market, and uh, the reality is those options don't fit for everybody. So the the exercise was to look at what are the options available in the market, what are the alternatives to what we're trying to offer, and who who does it work for. Um, and you know, looking at, at at the profiles and the demographics of of the customers that we're trying to to address, we've we've identified that there's you know several millions of customers that that would require a service like ours um, as an alternative to what's actually in market, or because what are the alternatives just don't work for them. So you know, you talked a bit earlier about about uh, food delivery. And the fact that you don't really have visibility on the healthy options or they're just not healthy options at all in what, what, what's available. And, and some families want to control the quality of the products that they consume. So, so that's not necessarily a good alternative for them. It might be for Friday nights, but it won't be for the rest of the week. So, so we've, we've also worked as part of our firsthand research, which is customer interviews to validate those assumptions. So, okay. so uh, you know, coming to unique value proposition, this idea of picking up AI into the industry, it's not new at all. But what makes your company unique from the other competitors? 
Yeah. So uh, as opposed to, you know, first off, uh, some of the alternatives like, uh, you know, we talked about about food delivery, but there's also catering, which offers uh, uh, e ease of use and convenience, but it's usually limited in options and might be too expensive for several families. If you look at meal kits, which offer convenience as well, but they they usually are longer to prepare than what you have planned. They have a lot of packaging, which is bad for the environment. And uh, and and frankly, the variety is very limited. So for for come for families that are looking for variety and they're looking for healthy options and really things that are personalized to them, we really offer a combination of curated recipe variety that's personalized to your need based on your profile and usage pattern. And we offer a smart planning and shopping experience that will optimize your cart based on preference and maximize your time savings and your dollar savings. So these are things that, you know, from the grocery side of things, they offer you, you know, convenience to some extent and price savings, but they don't, they don't help you plan your week, right? They just help you save, save some dollars that are optimized with their supply chain. So, so really co combining both of the, the meal planning and from variety and the smart shopping in order to get maximize your benefits. Perfect. So when we get to talk about target customer, not every customer is our target market. Like, so who do you think your potential target customers are, who you guys are focusing more on? Yeah. So, so we're focusing on, on families first off, which, you know, both parent work and our, our time strap. Um, they've got children at home, uh, ideally younger children, which require more attention and more time. And, and they're usually more difficult in the choices that they will or won't eat. And uh, we're looking at families that do some sort of meal planning or organizing their week. Um, and furthermore, we're looking to, to initially target families that are users of digital food services and apps. So they're already familiar with the usage. So those are those are the families that we're, we're really going after to start with. Got it. So what was your initial business plan look like? Like how did you curate it? Like this is what it's going to look like in the future. How did you plan it from the from the start? Well, I mean, the, it, it starts with with the idea and you're really looking at at, at the viability. Uh, so so it looked like a, a big board with a lot of uh, a lot of pins, right? To with assumptions of what that ideal customer would be. Um, and then as as we we dug down, we we refined it. Um, same thing for the value propositions. Uh, you initially have assumptions into what families want or what they're looking for. And then as you as you dig in into the patterns of usage, how they actually uh, do the, the the task or the jobs on a weekly basis, then you refine what's most important to them versus what's secondary. And that's where you can get what are the value propositions that actually handle a problem and what are the value propositions that are nice to have. Um, you know, and one of the things that, that, that I've learned is that, you know, offering, it's a lot easier to sell a, an aspirin for a headache than a vitamin that prevents you for better health. So it's a, it's a way to quantify and validate what's most important or not. So, so through, through interviews and through um, further digging, we we get to refine that customer segment and get to refine also uh, the value proposition. Got it. So I just have this, you know, quick question. How did you pick your name for the company, like Seven Dishes? So what does it points to the meaning of it? 
Yeah, well, I mean, uh, the the food space is a pretty busy, busy space, right? And uh, we were looking initially at how can we handle 100% of the food needs for, um, for families or for individual households. Uh, and so seven days of the week was was kind of a, a nice way to to wrap it up and and dish is uh is is large enough to 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 yeah. kind of identify to anything you could eat uh at a given time so seven dish had a nice ring to it and we uh we decided to go with it so you are the advisory board members of eva and leave these are two startup companies right how much do you think is it important for a startup to have a knowledge or have a specialized person who's related to marketing and sales um well so so Eva, uh, just to, uh, to, to add to what you were saying, also offer um, uh, white label delivery services. So whether it's for restaurants or for for other uh, other retailers or, or businesses and um, and leave uh, offers uh, seamless uh, and frictionless checkout for organizations that uh, you don't need to go to the cash anymore. You can do self checkout into the store. So okay. uh, the. The advantage of having good advisory members as part of a, an advisory board is to have the right complementary skills to the founders to help them um, either as a sounding board or to provide guidance into uh, parts of the entrepreneur journey that they haven't lived before, especially if they're first time founders. So. Um, you know, from from my part, uh, it's it's really being a sounding board and providing some some insights from experience as an entrepreneur, and to be uh, to be there to help them as part of their their growth journey um, in in sales, marketing, organization. So really uh, having having a somebody that that lived through it before to help them, uh, I, I hopefully avoid some of the pitfalls along the way. You know, the more the more you're into the B2C space, the more marketing is important. And the more you're in the B2B space, the more sales is important. So uh, it, it, it's really important because um, it's a big part of your your operating costs in the end. And it's a big, big reason why you'll be able to grow at a certain rate or not. Um, so, uh, you know, although although it's it's critical, if you have the right product, and you've identified the right market for it and the right customers, then you'll be able to get more success as you put more gas into both marketing and sales. So it, it it's essential, right? You 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 won't you won't be mm -hmm. growing without without it. Did you have any person who's guiding you through all the pitfalls? Uh, well, I I had the the luxury of having some good good advisors in my life. Uh, some some very close members of uh, you know families and friends and some people that I met along along the way and uh, I think anyone should have their either their personal or their business uh, group of people that that can help uh, with the journey because uh, you know being being at the head of a company or being being an entrepreneur can be a lonely journey from time to time so um, it, it's good to have people that are outside of your company to interact with which may not have all of the details but can help you think things through and help you also with uh, answering some questions uh, or, or helping you to answer some questions along the way so uh, i would definitely recommend for anybody that starts in a journey to uh, find some good good mentors good coaches that that can help out and you know, one of the ways for for people that are starting for the first time is to 
uh, be part of an accelerator or an incubator, you know, things like uh, District 3 or um, Founder Institute or, or Next AI or many others that, that can help you frame uh, a path to, to get, get to your valid idea and get your company started and also to um, allow you to meet and interact with coaches and mentors along the way. So forming a team is very important when you have a startup because only you cannot function through the complete end of the task, right? So how did you start figuring out your team? What was the challenges that you faced when, you know, you're going to get them in into your team? What, how was the journey about? Yeah, well, uh, what I can say about team, team building, especially when you're starting a company is... Uh, um, you know, you're you're doing a commitment uh, with someone that's uh, similar to to a wedding or or buying a house with a significant other. You're looking at a at a ideally a long term commitment. So um, it's the kind of thing that you you have to test out or from your experience, it, are you going to enjoy working with that person? Do you have similar values? Uh, are there like are the fundamentals um, connecting? And if that works, then then you 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 have to find people ideally that that complement you, um, because trying to find somebody that's a, a clone of you or very similar to you is is going to lead to uh, potentially conflicts. And well, I'm I'm going to do this because I'm really good at this. Well, so am I. And and so trying to find a composition of different people that have complementary strengths is is the best way to go. Yeah. So how hard is it to, you know, when you hire a person into a team, you definitely have to pay them. If not, everybody has their own family to take care of it. You are going through the entrepreneurship phase because it's your passion. Not everybody has to take it as, as their passion and they have to move on with the company as well. So what was the difficulty you faced when you had to, you know, provide them the salary or the pay? Well, I mean... Uh, for for sure, if you if you start a company, you you need to find some ways to fund it, right? And there's different ways to to fund fund projects. It could be um, you know non dilutive funds. There's a lot of support from government programs that that you can leverage. Um, and then you you have to eventually raise some money if you want to to hire people before you have revenue. So I think it's the combination of of that and also. Um, the type of profile you go after. If if you get your first employees on board, um, they have to have the right mindset that it's it's going to be scrappy at the beginning. It's uh, it's it you're you're going for it for for the mission and and, and the vision of the company initially versus a stable um, a position in a larger organization where it's more structured. So I think going for the right profiles with the right the right motivations and then. Um, finding ways to be able to uh, finance your organization so you, you can actually uh, uh, pay the salaries. In order to target a particular target market, you know, as I said, marketing is so important. Like what sort of marketing can someone use in order to target a particular customer? Uh, yeah, that's a pretty broad answer, a pretty broad question. Um, there's depending on where you're at at your stage. Um, initially, you want you want to start with uh, some methods that don't scale, uh, whether it's direct contact, whether it's targeting certain communities uh, where your customers are at. So being very clear on who your customer is and then trying to be where they are, where they spend time, where they interact to ca capture their attention is, is one 
way to get started. And you can also uh, test out um, messaging, test out content, and test out conversions with with either paid paid advertising that targets to your messaging to see if somebody would be interested to sign up or to be on a waiting list or or to subscribe. And uh, once you find recipes uh, that actually work out, you know you can you can A/B test a lot of those messaging. Then then you can start to to inject more more into the machine and see uh, how it pans out. Got it. So as you were, you know, their advisor, you are advisor to the startup companies. What do you see as the most basic mistakes that does those, you know, startups make? Um, well, I think one of the one of the mistakes is trying to uh, sell an idea to solve a problem that doesn't exist um, is or, or a problem that's not worth solving or people won't be paying for it. So that's one of the biggest mistakes is spending a lot of time and energy uh, trying to pursue an idea um, and build a business around it when it's not it's not viable. There's no there's either not a big enough market. There's there's not a big enough customer segment that will be interested for it or or you have you just have the wrong the the wrong problem you're solving. So I think that's one of the fundamentals that that a lot of companies have um, failed early or failed after a year or two years struggling to to get traction because the the base of the model just isn't sound. See, when we think about, for example, let me take hiring. So when I think, okay, let's start hiring people now. But after some time, you start feeling like, okay, I'm not in such a financial situation to hire people. Maybe I could raise some more fun and then later on hire people. There's a, you know, these are the negotiable terms we have. But what do you think is non-negotiable when you start a business? As a founder that starts the business, you need you need to do something that you will live with for at least five to ten years, right? So you need to be uh, confident or, or or conscious that this is a long term investment. Um, you know, it, it, as soon as you get people on board, as soon as you get external investment, then you have a lot of stakeholders that you need to to worry about. So it's not just about you anymore. You're you, you're becoming uh, more of a a servant leader to a lot of people to you, you worry about their families, you worry about the, their salaries. So you really need to be in this for, for the long run, I think is one of the non-negotiable and then make sure that your, your co-founding team or your, your founding team has a, a similar, similar mindset and yeah. similar vision of the future uh, so that it avoids conflicts around the way that can be very painful down the road. But how hard do you think is it being an entrepreneur where, you know, today's in, in today's generation, we have tons of entrepreneurs emerging every single day. Uh, when I was watching this, uh, you know, series called Silicon Valley, I tend to figure out that there are lots of people who are actually working on this startup instead of people thinking and sitting off their startup. Uh, I I think it's 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 a lot harder than being working in a in a given job, and the 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 reason for it is that you you need to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Right? You need to uh, you need to embrace uh, uncertainty and embrace the fact that you don't have all the answers today, um, but you have to work hard to get get to the answers and and find a way to uh, to. Path forward as as you grow as a business. So so it is it is a harder path. It's not something that's for everybody, and that's what 
everyone needs to look uh, inside and see is this is this what I want to do um but if you if you answer yes to that question and you you, you believe you got what it takes uh, there's a lot of means to be able to help you along that journey today that weren't available 10 to 15 years ago so so I think it's a it's a good it's a good opportunity today to start a business if that's the kind of thing that you want to do as we were talking about you know the hardships of being an entrepreneur what do you think is the most rewarding part of being an entrepreneur um i think one of the most rewarding parts of being an entrepreneur is to be able to uh see the uh, tangible outcome of the efforts um so uh, whether it's in business to business or it's in business to consumer to be able to see, for instance, that you're bettering the lives of, of people or you're improving the quality uh, and the outcome of, of companies is something that's very rewarding. And then looking at the, you know, how you're helping um, the economy in itself, like you're having an impact. So, um, you know, when, when we look at uh, orchestra, for instance, we, we got all the way to about hundred 50, 175 employees and, and to be able to uh, provide for all those families as well uh, is something that's uh, very rewarding when you look at the community of, of people that you build. So uh, so those are things that uh, make you smile when you get up in the morning. So we're almost at the end of the segment, but we're going to have a quick rapid fire part right now. So you can just give me like a one word answer for all the rapid questions that I'm going to throw at you. Okay. Sure. So who's your inspiration in the tech world or from your family? Who's who's your inspiration? Um, you know, one of my inspirations is uh, my godfather, who uh, always uh, has some uh, wise, wise advice and uh, always takes a, a good rounded approach uh, that's uh, based on, you know, uh, fundamental values and what's really important in life. So um, so that's one of my uh inspiration and and uh, life coaches i guess that's great so what's one business lesson you have learned so far in your entrepreneurship journey that you want to share um when you have an idea uh take take the time to validate that it's the right idea uh for you and for a business um by by looking at a lot of different angles but uh i think that would be that would be my my first advice an idea in itself isn't worth anything what's what's important is how you can actually execute on it and is it the right idea to execute on that's a well said thing i actually you know couldn't agree more on that that's a well said thing what what's your favorite book I, I have many, but uh, I uh, really enjoy uh, From Good to Great is one that I enjoyed a lot. And uh, I think uh, another really good one uh, that is very specific is called the Venture Deals. I really enjoyed it. So what's your number one priority for your business right now? Uh, the number one priority at the moment for the business is uh, really working on our go-to-market approach and uh, also on finishing our product for our beta release, which is going to come out at the beginning of next year. Great. So what do you think is the biggest strength of an entrepreneur, like any entrepreneur? You need, you need to be uh, persistent and you need to uh, have uh, well, being uncomfortable with being uncomfortable, I think, is one one of the 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 good strength. And you need to be a you need to be a good 
jack of all trades. Uh, although you have some skills and specialties that you'll be applying at the beginning as your business grows, you're you're going to become more of a generalist and you're going to surround yourself with good specialists that are going to be able to support you as you grow the business. So you need to also accept that fact that as, as the business grows, your, your role evolves. What is the biggest, you know, business accomplishment that you have done so far? Uh, I, I think, uh, growing, growing, a, a business with the, 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 my prior company, uh, to the size that it went and being able to, uh, to, to sell it, to be able to move on to another, uh, another, uh, Pursue is uh, one of the biggest accomplishments. What is your future vision for Seven Dishes? Um, well, we're we're really looking to make healthy living easy and sustainable for families. So so that's really where where we want to end up. So uh, the more families we can help with uh, their daily lives and to improve their quality of life, um, the more successful we'll be. Do you think that your business idea has drifted from its place where it started? to tell point like i had this idea but later on in time this idea drifted into something different and it's over here do you think it has happened in your business uh well i think it it, it evolved and got refined as we uh as we dug deeper into the problems we wanted to solve um and your your vision gets refined as well as you uh, as you work through it right so um it's back to what we were saying initially you want to address problems that um require required to be solved by your target customers so so you're kind of refining the the idea of the product and and how how we can address address the issue um there wasn't a, a major pivot but uh, there was definitely refinements throughout the journey so far so if you want to go back in time and fix a business mistake that you have made what would it be oh god <laughs> um <laughs> So if I was to fix one of the mistakes, uh, I think it's, um, you know, from when I was a first, first time entrepreneur, it's, uh, it's uh, taking, taking advice, uh, surrounding advice, but also making your own, your own conclusions or your own opinion based on, on different learnings. And if, if there's something that you, you're, you're doubting from instinct, um, you know, dig into it uh, uh, because there's probably a good reason for it. How did you deal with emotional breakdown and confusions that happens around your business? Um, well, I, I, I'm, I'm not personally somebody that has emotional breakdowns, but uh, when there's uh, you know periods of, of stress or, or periods that are in the, the, the valleys versus the peaks, um, one of the key things that I do is, is find, find a, a good way to disconnect uh, and disconnecting could be listening to music, it could be going to take a walk, it could be going to do some sports, but being able to disconnect and uh, finding ways to sleep well is, um, is essential because if you, if you're already in, in a, in, in a difficult situation and you have a hard time sleeping, you, you won't be able to re-energize and you won't be fresh to be able to find a way out of the hole or out of the problem. What is your V1 failure and what is your V1 passion? Uh, so my view on failure is that uh, it's uh, it's part of the journey. Um, so uh, failure for me is is getting more learnings. Um, so the the main thing about failing is if you don't learn from your failures, then you won't progress. So you you have to be able to have the humility and the introspection to understand if something didn't work, 
although there may be external factors, what do you control and what can you do about it? Uh, if you have that mindset, then you're going to grow and you're going to evolve. Uh, my view on passion is um, it's it's definitely a component uh, of, uh, of of a journey or something that that you you enjoy. And you know, if you start a business, might as well do something that you you're either passionate about or that you enjoy. Um, uh, but, uh, it is, it is a component of motivation and it's a component also to, uh, to help you through, uh, versus doing something that you just don't enjoy or not interested in. Great. So your final piece of advice to any entrepreneurs who are listening to this show right now. Uh, if, if, uh, it's an itch, uh, that scratches to start a business and, and you really want to do it, uh, take, take a shot at it. Um, you, you don't want to have uh, any regrets in 10 or 20 years. That's great. So thank you so much, Vincent. This has been the very best show I've done so far because it's so much of an advice and so much onto the basis because base is where everybody should be stronger. If someone is starting up a company or like starting up their own brand or something, they have to be very strong at knowing what's their unique value proposition, the target customer. As you have told the that many companies solve a problem that does not even exist. So it's necessary to have a mentor or an advisor getting into an accelerator program or into startup phase to look for mentors you know to understand what they're actually solving is very very important so i truly have gained a lot of knowledge in the particular you know period of time thank you so much for being on the show hey it was a pleasure to be there thank you all to everyone who has listened to today's episode and this was an informative session so much on the basics of what to start with entrepreneurship. Thank you so much, Winston, once again for accepting my request to be on the show. Stay tuned for the next episode. Until then, you're listening to Entrebine and I'm your host, PJ. Mm-hmm.